0: natural md radio your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now i'm dr aviva Ron. menstrual cycles we have about 400 of them in our lifetime Yet most of us know so little about how this amazing process really works and why they're so important to pay attention to and how to interpret them. It's led most of us to grow up pretty much in the dark about a fact of life that if you have a uterus, you're going to experience for 35 or 40 so years of your life. How's that right there for a good reason to know more about your cycle. But there's more. We now know, as I spoke about in a recent podcast episode, that our menstrual cycles are one of the most important signs we have as women about our health. Its characteristics, such as our regularity, the amount of flow, and whether or not we're ovulating can indicate not just our hormonal health, can tell us a great deal about whether we're having underlying inflammation, microbiome disruption, oxidative stress, nutritional insufficiencies, and other root imbalances that can have a bigger impact on our total and long-term well-being. As such, it's now recognized as our sixth vital sign, as vital as your pulse or body temperature, and one of the most important indicators of the state of our health and well-being. And it's why I want to make sure you know your menstrual cycle personally, and well. It's a powerful ticket on a journey to understanding your body, hormones, and wellness at the deepest levels. This stuff is so important that I dedicated two whole chapters of my new book, Hormone Intelligence, to helping all women gain a deeper understanding of the language of our cycles and hormones. I'd love to take you on a journey into the very important foundational basics of how your menstrual cycle works. I started paying attention to my own cycle when I was 15 years old, and now 40 years later, I can say that knowledge has been far more valuable to me than a lot of what I ever learned in school. In fact, I really hope you'll share this episode with young women in your life, maybe listen together, but this information is so powerful and valuable at any age, so even if you're not cycling anymore, have a listen because the health of our cycles at any age sets the stage for our health at the next stage. But what is the menstrual cycle anyway? First, let's clarify a common misconception that the term menstrual cycle describes only the days when you're on your period. Your menstrual cycle actually includes your period, but also encompasses the entire length of time between the first day of your period and the last day before your next period starts. From a simple biological point of view, your menstrual cycle is the process your body goes through each month to prepare for a potential pregnancy. It involves hormonal fluctuations, the development and release of an egg from the ovaries, which is ovulation, and changes to the lining of your uterus called the endometrium, all of which are part of this preparation. But it's also so much more. It's the rhythm that guides our lives, our moods, energy, desires, cravings, attractions, inspiration, and so much of what makes us, us. It's also not just something that happens in our reproductive organs. Our whole body is involved. From your hypothalamus and pituitary glands in your brain to your thyroid and adrenal glands, your menstrual cycle is a full-on endocrine affair. The ovaries are where your eggs Um, are are formed and are uh, stored prior to ovulation. There are your ovarian follicles where human eggs are stored in their own individual sacs. But then after those follicles are, after that egg is matured and released, it leaves behind a gland, a temporary gland called the corpus luteum where progesterone is produced. Your brain is a major organ that has several glands in it that are very powerfully important in the production of or regulation of your menstrual cycle, including the hypothalamus, which releases gonadotropin-releasing hormone that stimulates the um, ovaries, the pituitary, which releases something called luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone, which I'm going to talk more about. Even your pineal gland, which produces melatonin, which has an impact on ovulation, Your thyroid, which not only controls metabolism, but is also involved in menstrual cycle regularity and function, and your adrenal glands, which produce androgens and progesterone, but also cortisol, and when we're under a lot of stress, that can impact our menstrual cycle. There are also a number of different hormones playing a role in our monthly cycles, and these are just a few. Estrogen, which I call the queen bee hormone. A woman's body produces three types of estrogen, but without getting into the woods too much, estradiol or E2 is the major one that influences your development into a woman and your menstrual cycle. It drives the first half or follicular phase of the cycle, helping to build the uterine lining. And then later in your menstrual cycle helps cue the start of your period unless there's been um, a pregnancy that has occurred. Progesterone, which is the hormone that dominates the second half of your cycle, helps stabilize the uterine lining, prepares for and supports the body if pregnancy occurs, and also helps cue the start of your period with estrogen. Luteinizing hormone, which I mentioned produced from the pituitary, drives Uh, is the driving hormone behind ovulation. It stimulates the ovarian follicles to produce estrogen, causes the ovarian follicle to release the mature egg, and in the second half of the cycle, stimulates that corpus luteum to produce progesterone. Follicle-stimulating hormone, which does exactly what it sounds like, stimulates your follicles in the ovary, uh, to develop before ovulation, and FSH also um, stimulates and increases estrogen production. And finally, amongst the many, as I mentioned, cortisol, thyroid hormone, and others, there are androgens. We think of androgens like testosterone as primarily male hormones, but they're actually produced in your ovaries and your adrenal glands. And they're used by your follicles to create estrogen and progesterone that are necessary in adequate levels for a healthy cycle. All of these hormones fluctuate at different times through the month and through your life to create the orchestra that is you, and in your menstrual cycles, the orchestra that is your monthly menstrual cycle. And your menstrual cycle can be broken down into phases. The menstrual cycle is primarily divided into two main phases, the follicular phase where those follicles are forming, and the luteal phase where you have that corpus luteum after ovulation. Within these two phases, you can also consider menstruation and ovulation as distinct phases within phases on their own. Each of these phases has its own unique characteristics, including hormonal shifts, physiologic changes, psychologic changes, and physical signs and symptoms. In a previous podcast, I talk about the really interesting changes that accompany these phases and how you can use them as a subtle inner guidance system that when you learn to work with, you can really use to your advantage in terms of your diet, workouts, sex life, and even your spending and saving habits and your career choices. It's really fascinating. And I dedicate a good bit of hormone intelligence to also helping you understand those. The descriptions that I'm going to share with you now are based on a classic 28-day cycle and we're going to focus primarily in on those physiologic changes, the physical signs and symptoms that you will see to help you understand the actual menstrual cycle. While I am basing this on a 28-day cycle because it's easy to round that out, please know that there's no such thing as a perfect cycle. What's considered normal can vary by age and other factors, like stopping the pill or stress. And on average, actually internationally, the menstrual cycle is 29.5 days, not, um, not uh, 28 days. That said, there is a basic set of rules about what's considered typical and healthy and what's cause for concern. In a nutshell, when everything is flowing smoothly and you're experiencing a predictable rise and fall of your hormones, you shouldn't have any majorly troublesome symptoms like drastic mood swings, debilitating cramps, or heavy bleeding that keeps you from wanting to leave the house. A healthy normal menstrual cycle falls within these parameters. The cycle length should be 26 to 34 days, except during perimenopause, when they might fluctuate and be shorter or longer, and that might vary. Period length should be three to seven days. Less than or more than is either an, an, uh, an excessively light or excessively heavy period. Uh, the amount of bleeding should not be more than six pads or tampons a day. Blood color will vary uh, from woman to woman, and depending on when in your cycle that blood is being released, and um, how much oxygen exposure it's getting. So, very dark blood is older blood, and that's usually that may you may notice that on the first day or two of your period, even. And it can vary from very dark to bright red. The color changes when it's exposed to air. So, there are some things you can look at. If your period blood is very pale, light, pink, and watery, it could be a sign that you have low iron. Or if your period blood is, um, very dark and very clotty, it may be a sign that you're having very heavy periods. But a lot of what you read on the internet about perfect period blood color has much more to do with hype and people creating branding around it than than actually medically significant. So if your period blood is dark red um, to bright red, that can be normal for you. Just kind of pay attention to when it's happening. A lot of young women, when we first start getting our periods, experience quite dark periods, and it can be almost brown, and that can be completely normal. Cervical mucus is also part of the menstrual cycle. Um, sometimes called cervical fluid, and this is a normal liquid produced by your cervix during the course of the menstrual cycle. The amount of fluid produced varies from person to person, but also over the course of the cycle. The week or so leading up to ovulation, cervical mucus becomes clear, watery, and stretchy. It can look like egg whites. Early in the cycle, so very early during your period, obviously you're having blood and there's a lot of mucus, but then on those first few days, and then also after ovulation as you're getting closer to your period, that cervical mucus becomes thicker and less clear and may even be like paste or kind of tacky. What about blood clots? Small clots considered less than the size of a quarter in diameter and happening only on occasion are normal. Clots larger than a quarter or frequent or regular clotting with your period can be a sign of heavy periods and hormone imbalance. Pain throughout your cycle shouldn't be more than occasional mild cramps or pelvic tension. You shouldn't need days of pain relievers, hot water bottles, or other comfort measures for cramps. If you are... Something's going on with your hormones. When it comes to breast pain, you may experience some breast fullness, but breast pain, cyclic lumps, or cysts are not standard for what should be considered optimal or normal. Premenstrual headaches and migraines are common, but again, these are a sign of a hormone imbalance and shouldn't just be considered normal because we're women. Mild shifts in our mood, levels of desire for social connection, energy, sleep, and cravings Are very normal. That is not the sign of anything going wrong. But they shouldn't feel extreme, disruptive, or out of control. If you're feeling that, again, a sign of hormone imbalance. Finally, Um, When you ovulate in the middle of your cycle, you may notice some twinging or even discomfort on one side of your lower abdomen or the other. That is called middle schmerz. It's the German term for middle pain and is a mild pain that some women feel in the lower abdomen as that ovum is released, so as ovulation occurs, we might feel some of that fluid that gets released as we ovulate, a little bit of the blood that forms when we ovulate from that follicle rupturing can cause a little bit of local irritation in the pelvis and can cause some pain. So these are all the signs that I shared with you that if you're within those parameters, you have a healthy normal menstrual cycle. When things are going outside of that, that may mean something's going on. When it comes to the exact length, timing of ovulation, and hormonal shifts and symptoms, it's important to establish your normal and not sweat any small shifts or changes that might happen as a one-off. So for example, you go traveling and your period is a week late, or you're under a lot of stress and your period is a week late. Some women are getting the vaccination right now for COVID and they're noticing a cycle change right after. If it's a one-off thing that you could pinpoint and say something was going on and I had a change for one month, no biggie. You just pay attention. And if it doesn't recur, you just write it off and say, okay, that happened. If you are experiencing some minor changes and they're not lasting longer than three months, that may also be your body is just going through th- through some shifts for whatever reason. Sometimes we go through shifts in our cycle. Sometimes we've got something going on in our life. We're preparing for board exams. We are moving. We are going through a relationship change and our cycle shifts. If it's happening within three months and it's not dramatic or major or causing you discomfort, then often, again, just waiting and watching. But if a change is lasting longer than three months, or if you notice sudden changes to your cycle length or bleeding that don't seem to have an obvious explanation or are are dramatic and really causing you discomfort, it may mean that something else is going on. And that's an important time to have a talk with a midwife, nurse practitioner, or medical practitioner you trust. And of course, my book, Hormone Intelligence, can help you to sort out what might be going on and also how to restore cycle balance. Now, over at my website at avivaram.com forward slash 154, because we're in episode 154 of Natural MD Radio, I have an image in an article that accompanies this podcast that I would love for you to have a look at when you have a chance, because it will help you visualize the cyclic changes of your hormones throughout the menstrual cycle. I also have this image and what I'm sharing with you today, but an even deeper level of explanation in my book, Hormone Intelligence, which you can pre-order or order depending on when you're listening to this podcast. It's on pre order through June 8th, and then the book officially drops in bookstores on June 8th and on online stores where you can get your copy. But I do encourage you, if you can, to pre-order or order in the month of June, because there are some phenomenal special gifts that are accompanying the book, including... If you order by June 8th, you get free access to my 28-day Gut Reset. And if you order through the month of June, you get a free ticket to either join in the live programmed event or the replay of my Hormone Intelligence Chats, which features Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein interviewing me about my book, and some phenomenal colleagues and friends who are making waves in the women's hormone and wellness space that I um, interview and have chats with that I know you'll find really interesting. So to do that, head on over to avivaram.com forward slash book. I hope this book is transformative for your life, but I also hope it's the kind of book that you'll Give to your mom, give to your sister, give to your daughter, give to your niece, give to your best friend, and have a copy for yourself to refer to again and again through the arcs of your life. It's a a book that welcomes you into a whole new conversation with your hormones and your body. And whether you struggle with hormone problems or gynecologic problems or not is a really important invitation to a new understanding of our own wellness, our own hormones, and our own empowerment. And if you do struggle with period problems, endometriosis, polycystic ovary syndrome, fibroids, fertility challenges, um, vaginal infections, um, uh, perimenopausal symptoms that you're struggling with. The book offers a complete root cause program as well as targeted protocols. So I really hope you'll check it out and join me in this complete women's health and hormone revolution. But in the meanwhile, let's dive back into these beautiful four phases of your menstrual cycle. So, menstruation, a.k.a. your period, is typically around days one to six of your cycle. You might be surprised that I'm starting with menstruation because most of us think of it as the end of the menstrual cycle. Actually, technically, it's the start. I think of it personally as shedding the old, the uterine lining, that is, and starting fresh. I do honor that this may feel far from something to celebrate if you're trying to get pregnant, but I also hope, and as I work with my own fertility patients, when they have had a period, if they were trying to get pregnant and it's a disappointing moment, crushing at times, to, okay, say, all right, this is the start. This is the start of my next cycle and to approach that anew. So much like we have um, New Year's, day every year, the first day of our period really is an opportunity to reinvent ourselves and think of ourselves like that um, metaphorical cosmic snake shedding our skin and having an opportunity to start anew. Your period occurs when your uterine lining technically does shed due to the drop in estrogen and progesterone that happens if ovulation doesn't occur. This drop in hormone levels is also in part responsible for many of the common symptoms and discomforts you might experience in the days leading up to your period, premenstrually. But other things are going on too that lead to premenstrual and early period day symptoms like cramps and loose stools, particularly increased production of something called an inflammatory prostaglandin. But overall, as I said, a healthy period is three to say, three to seven days long, and while it may bring some mild discomforts, a little fullness, a little aching, it shouldn't be painful enough to require medication or so heavy that you're blowing through more than six pads or tampons a day. I talk about heavy bleeding in another podcast, so if that is something you struggle with, you can head over there, and of course, I have a comprehensive protocol for you in Hormone Intelligence. The couple of days prior to and the first couple of days of our period are naturally an energy low point of the month for most women. So give yourself a pass. This is normal. Shifts in our brainwaves during this time may make you crave quiet alone time and some rest and relaxation. You may find you're in a creative zone ripe for journaling or artistic expression. It's a great time to give yourself permission to pause, slow down, and rest if you need it. Again, I think of this time as shedding layers, which is what your body's actually doing. So do what you can to let go of anything you need to let go of, whether emotionally, spiritually, or physically, to give yourself that metaphorical new start. The follicular phase, which is days 1 to 13, and includes the menstrual cycle because they overlap, is the first half of your cycle and ends at ovulation. It's named for the follicles that are maturing in your ovaries and is the estrogen-dominant time of the cycle. During this first half of your cycle, the uterine lining first sheds at menstruation and then starts proliferating, getting thicker, lusher, and ready for the implantation if the egg that is released happens to be fertilized. During the follicular phase, estrogen is dominant and testosterone and follicle-stimulating hormones start to rise. Peaking estrogen levels lead to a welcome, calm, and optimistic headspace, while a higher level of testosterone during this phase enhances energy, confidence, motivation, as well as muscle strength and sex drive. We thrive on socializing in this phase, and our hormones make us not only feel great, but give us clearer skin and more symmetrical features. We actually look prettier and sexier to ourselves. We tend to feel more inclined to go out with our girlfriends, say yes to a gathering, go out on the town, and studies show a keener ability for recognizing facial expressions and more empathy as a result in this phase of our cycle. Next comes ovulation, and this is days 14 to 18. Ovulation marks the beginning of the luteal phase of the cycle and usually occurs mid-cycle. It starts with a surge of luteinizing hormone that causes the mature follicle to rupture and release the ovum, which travels down the fallopian tube and meets up with sperm, if there's sperm there trying to find an egg to fertilize, or it passes down into the uterus after about five days unfertilized. If you have never watched an online video of ovulation, of this follicle burst and this ovum release, now that we have this incredible technology that allows this to happen, it is really stunning, and it adds a whole visual emotional, in my opinion, artistic, profound connection. So if you're inspired, look online for videos of ovulation. And if you have daughters or even sons that you want to share this with, it's really powerful and quite, quite beautiful. And that beauty can really help to unpack some of the stigma that we experience around this. Now, this is really important. Well, everything I'm saying I hope is important to you, but here's a fact that I want to have you like really take in. The egg survives for fertilization for only about 24 hours. But because viable sperm can be lurking in there for three to five days, each month that we ovulate, we have a fertile window of potentially that length of time, three to five days. And the most fertile time is from about five days before or until one to two days after ovulation, because if you have sex and the sperm live five days, you can, that can be there when you ovulate, and then the egg only lives for um, one or two days, so that's why only that couple of days after ovulation. This is so important because so many women spend our entire cycle thinking we can get pregnant at any time and it causes a lot of stress. So understanding your fertile window that happens around ovulation can be incredibly empowering, both around trying to avoid conception if you are trying to do that and using fertility awareness methods, but also if you're trying to get pregnant, understanding when that time is optimized each month. So during this phase, um, estrogen starts to increase toward its second peak, along with an increase in testosterone, while progesterone really starts to take over the landscape now that it's being produced by that corpus luteum, that divot, that temporary gland in the ovaries where the egg was released from, and becomes dominant in the second half of the cycle. Again, knowing when you're ovulating is really important. It can help you prevent an unwanted pregnancy, time, conception if you want to. But also, if you're not ovulating, this can be a sign of stress, hormonal problems, including polycystic ovary syndrome, and also you know you're ovulating and fertile by paying attention to these physical signs, like when your vaginal discharge becomes plentiful, clear, and stretchy with a texture being described as egg whites. This cervical mucus is so fascinating that I have to just share some deets with you about it. It's actually specifically engineered, if you will, I'm saying that with air quotes, to have the perfect pH to keep sperm alive for about five days. Help healthy sperm find their way to your cervix and weeding out damaged ones as a way to protect your egg from a sperm with possible bad DNA, transforming the sperm as they pass through your cervix so they have more of a chance of fertilizing that waiting egg. And it also makes for great vaginal lubrication. So remember, this cervical fluid that we're all like, ew, I have this discharge is actually, if it's just copious, middle of your cycle, stretchy or like egg whites, doesn't usually have any scent or odor to it, um, that is an important sign that you're ovulating. And as I mentioned, that middle schmertz sign, not everyone experiences that and most people don't even experience it every cycle, but that also can be a sign that you're ovulating. High estrogen right around ovulation and high testosterone continue that boosted sex drive and pleasure and really amp it up. So, that sex drive that you were experiencing the, in that second half of your follicular phase, now that you're ovulating, this is the easiest time of month for most women to experience orgasm, especially those toe curling, full body kind. And it's nature's sneaky way of trying to get us to reproduce. And we also unconsciously turn the sexual attraction flame way up during that phase, potentially attracting mates like moths and something I talk about in Hormone Intelligence. Um, Marty Hazelton, the evolutionary biologist who talks about evol- um, ovulation, she's done a lot of research, has some really interesting work that she's done around this. And um, I talk about it briefly in my podcast on understanding your menstrual cycle and how it affects the choices that we make in our lives. All right, finally, let's shift to talking about the luteal phase. This is days 14 through 28, so it includes ovulation. It's the phase, it's the second half of your menstrual cycle, so between when you ovulate and when you start your next period, so it's the last day before your next period starts. Remember, the first day of the period starts that follicular phase. It's named after that corpus luteum that I've mentioned several times. Corpus luteum actually technically means yellow body. Corpus means body. Luteum is yellow in Latin because that's the color of it um, after it's turned into this um, temporary endocrine gland. And remember, this is the phase of your cycle that progesterone is predominant. If fertilization occurs after ovulation, the fertilized egg will travel down your fallopian tube to your uterine lining where it will implant and grow. If fertilization doesn't occur, progesterone and estrogen levels will drop about 10 days after ovulation, leading your uterine lining to shed, which is the start of your next period. In the first half of the luteal phase, just after ovulation, cervical mucus is still abundant, your energy is typically high, and your sex drive is still typically ramped up. Around midway in the luteal phase, so usually if you're having an average of 28-day cycles around three weeks in, after the peak in progesterone and the second smaller bump in estrogen start to decline, and again, you can see this in an image in my book, Hormone Intelligence, or over at avivaram.com. Um, forward slash 154 for episode 154, where I have an image for you um, of what the hormones are doing, your cervical mucus will start to become sparse, thicker, white, and more tacky or pasty. In this form, it's more hostile to sperm, actually preventing them from making their way up toward your uterus, which is now past its peak for implantation of an embryo. Cervical mucus cyclicity is an important indication of hormonal health. Low estrogen will prevent cervical mucus production, and lack of ovulation is an indication that you have low progesterone and carries some risks that I talk about in my book, Hormone Intelligence, which is why knowing your menstrual cycle as a vital sign is so important. Each of these hormones is not only, as I said, part of our reproductive cycle, but they have impacts throughout our brain, our body, our heart, our bones. They have in fa- impact so much more than just reproduction. Also, in the second half of your luteal phase, especially as you head into those five or so days before your next period is due, your body starts to produce something that I mentioned earlier called prostaglandin. There are anti-inflammatory prostaglandins and there are inflammatory prostaglandins. The ones that start to ramp up premenstrually are the inflammatory ones, in part menstruation is naturally slightly inflammatory. It takes that inflammation to cause some mild uterine cramping and to break down that uterine lining so it sheds. Unfortunately, if you already have excess inflammation, this mild cramping can become painful. And also, interestingly, premenstrually our um, pain threshold goes down. So you may have an overall increased sense of pain and it may be causing you significant premenstrual pain. These inflammatory prostaglandins also get your bowels a bit irritated, leading to some bloating. And for many women, looser poops, which may be fine if you're constipated, you may welcome that, but not a happy experience for most people who suddenly are having cramping and loose poops and starting to bleed and it just feels like a hot mess down there. The more inflammation you already have, the more prostaglandins you'll produce the more pain loose poops the more symptoms etc during this phase right before our period our estrogen levels also start to go down and that can lead to lower moods lower energy and a feeling of being kind of depleted again you may naturally want to turn your focus inward rest and nest as I like to say, and maybe journal over socialization and partying. We may also feel more easily irritated and emotionally reactive. It's thought that during this time, our immune function also becomes a little suppressed so that we don't react hostilely to sperm or an embryo if we conceive but it may also make us more susceptible to colds or getting sick during this time. And if you have an autoimmune disease and inflammation and pain that usually accompanies that, those increased prostaglandins, those inflammatory prostaglandins and that decreased pain threshold may lead to a flare. Uh, Some women experience a flare in eczema or asthma during this phase, particularly if they are more inflammatory. So starting to pay attention to your cycle can start to help you become more aware of when these flares are going to happen. And also as you bring your hormones in line, as you bring inflammation down, as you bring those prostaglandins down, you should notice not only symptoms in your period, but symptoms in asthma, eczema, autoimmune flares, your bowels, et cetera. This is something I see all the time in my medical practice. It's also important to honor where we are. Because if we are needing more quiet and self-care, we can give ourselves that, even if it's snatching an hour here or there or a longer shower or making sure that those are the days that we are getting our yoga or our meditation in. It can preempt irritability, resentment, and burnout, as well as getting sick. If you try to push against what your natural inclination can be, it's harder, right? We're pushing upstream or we're trying to swim upstream. But if our natural inclination is to kind of float right now and you just let yourself be carried by those waves and let yourself back float, you get carried downstream and it's easier and more restful. Our menstrual cycle uh, patterns actually shift quite a bit depending on our age. So I just want to give you a 30,000 foot view because what I shared with you earlier about what a normal menstrual cycle is, is the predominant type of menstrual cycle we have usually starting in our very late teens into our mid, late 30s or early 40s. But puberty and around perimenopause, it actually changes. So puberty optimally begins somewhere between 11 and 15 or 16 years old. And it may be accompanied by some mood changes. Irregular cycles are common for several years after we first start menstruating, and light cramps. But what should not happen is significant pain, severe acne, depression, anxiety, or other symptoms. If those are happening, it's really important that we talk with our, our girls, our daughters, if you're a practitioner with your patients, look under the hood are these early indications of a hormone imbalance? Are these early indications of polycystic ovary syndrome or endometriosis that if we catch early, we can prevent so much suffering and so many challenges? Menstrual cycle length during the um, pubertal years um, can average uh, anywhere from Uh, a period happening every four weeks to a period skipping for a couple of months. That's normal. But by around three or four years after a girl is menstruating, the average 26 to 34 days typically kicks in. And then typically less as our cycle with some variation, maybe some shifts after you are pregnant and breastfeeding and then get your cycle back again. And then when you start to hit your 40s, it may start to get irregular again. Perimenopause naturally begins in our early mid-40s, and it can last as long as eight years before menopause, which is the complete stopping of our ovulation and menstruation for one year, and the average age of that is around 52. During this time, periods often become slightly irregular. You may have longer or shorter cycles, lighter or heavier cycles, and as you get closer to menopause, you may start to notice some mild hot flashes, sleep changes, and changes in your sex drive and vaginal lubrication. But again, these should be mild. Disruption, discomfort, or extreme symptoms, again, represent hormone imbalance. So how do you get to know your menstrual cycle? You can take small steps to get to know your menstrual cycle and it doesn't have to be overwhelming. So where do you start? Here are some of the simple strategies that I really recommend. One is keeping a menstrual cycle chart. Now, I personally like a pen and paper chart. And if you've gotten a copy of my book, Hormone Intelligence, you'll have a link over to my website at avivaram.com forward slash, I'm sorry, just at avivaram.com. But even if you haven't gotten my book, um, after June 8th, there will be a menstrual cycle chart that anyone can download. So when you go to my website after June 8th, just search um, cycle chart and you'll it'll take you to a page where you can download one that I've created um, that I feel is so beautiful because it allows you to chart not just your ovulation and your cervical mucus and all the things I'm about to share with you, but how you're feeling as well. So start tracking using either a chart, a calendar, or get an app. There are some great apps out there um, that can help you just keep a record. What I recommend, though, is turning off the predictor function of the app, the one that's going to tell you, you're about to ovulate. You might feel PMS symptoms coming on right now. Don't create a self-fulfilling prophecy that doesn't help you pay attention to your own body. Just use the app to actual chart the data, not to receive the um, the anticipatory information. Notice if your period length flow, um, if you have any symptoms, if you have uh, you know, just pay attention to how much are you bleeding, how long is your period itself, how long are your cycles from month to month, how regular are they. Check out your fertile mucus. You'll know you're ovulating and fertile when your vaginal discharge becomes plentiful, clear, and stretchy with a texture, like I said, described as egg whites. You don't want to touch the stuff. That's cool. If you you know, I hardly recommend it. It's part of you. It's there's nothing gross or icky about it. But you will notice it even when you wipe after you pee with your toilet tissue. It pretty much gets slick and slippery down there during ovulation, and you might even see uh, more shiny mucus on your toilet tissue. So if that's as far as you're willing to go, then go there, but start to pay attention to that. Now, one step that you might take if you are trying to avoid pregnancy, trying to see if you're ovulating, or trying to get pregnant is to take your body tem- basal body temperature, That is a very specific uh, temperature measurement that measures in increments of 0.5 to one degrees, Uh, or I'm sorry, it measures in 0.1 degrees, so you can measure small increments. Right after ovulation, progesterone causes your body temperature to increase very slightly to 0.5 or one degree Fahrenheit. That's what I was referring to. I was getting ahead of myself. So your temperature goes up by 0.5 to 1 degree, and it remains at that new temperature until right before your next period. This is a way to confirm that you're ovulating if you're not sure. So you're not getting the fertile mucus. You never have middle schmerz. You don't get increased sex drive. And you're like, huh, I'm having irregular periods, and I wonder if I'm ovulating. Or you're trying to get pregnant, and you're wondering if you're ovulating, or you're trying to use fertility awareness to not get pregnant, and you've seen that rise and you know cyclically because you've been paying attention to when you ovulate, then you know what that window is for you that I mentioned that five days before to about two days after that peak fertile window. And that's a time that you would use another form of contraception, for example, condoms. So it's a wonderful thing to do. You have to take your temperature first thing in the morning before you get out of bed or do any movement, and you want to get a special thermometer that measures basal body temperature. Don't just track your cycles, though. Don't just track your ovulation. Start to notice how you feel physically, mentally, energetically, emotionally. Journaling can help you actively set aside time to pause and really tap into your body. Learning to track my cycle as a teenager was one of the most important steps I took toward body knowledge and empowerment. And it's something I want every woman to appreciate and understand and enjoy and feel ownership Of, um, because it gives you a powerful, powerful self-awareness, but also a profound health literacy. When it comes to your cycle, knowledge is power. We are a force of nature and we can't control it all. But the more you know about your own hormones and cycles, the more you can live in harmony with and even influence what's happening below the surface. As you begin to recognize the shifts that occur at different phases of your cycle, I hope you'll naturally start to marvel at and celebrate some of these changes as they occur. And if your cycles have been causing you trouble, now you have a roadmap to tell you when they're getting back on track This is Dr. Aviva Ram. Thank you for joining me for How the Menstrual Cycle Works, Natural MD Radio, episode 154. If you want more like this, please subscribe. Make sure to share this episode with all the women in your life that you want to help have body literacy, body knowledge. If you're inspired, grab a copy of my book, Hormone Intelligence, and head over to avivaram.com forward slash book to grab your gifts if you're listening between now and the end of June. And I am so excited to be on this beautiful hormone journey with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio.